Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Coach, where we help you get less overwhelmed, stop beating yourself up and start living the life you want. I'm your host, Dr. Vicki Burns, ex-professor and certified life coach. Whether you're a brand new PhD student or an experienced academic, I'm here to show you that thriving in academia can be a whole lot easier than it feels right now. Let's go. And welcome to episode 15 of the PhD Life Coach. This is the second of a three-part series about how to craft your own academic story. Often we feel like we're plowing a lot, pulled by all the different demands of our jobs, and we don't always feel like we're in charge of our academic story and where we spend our time and what things we actually achieve. So in this three-part series, we started last week thinking about why it might feel so much better to have a story and what advantages that might have for applying for promotion, jobs, awards, recognition, and all of that good stuff. This episode today, part two of the series, is going to focus exactly on how to do that. But if you haven't listened to part one, which is episode 14, please do go back and listen to that first. It can be really tempting to jump straight to the how to do it. In fact, that's what we usually do in our lives. We make to-do lists. What actions do I need to take? Tell me the actions bit and I'll get on with that. And we often don't spend the time thinking about... What do I think about these actions? What do I believe about these actions? How do I feel about them? What emotions am I having? So I really want you to go back to part one, episode 14, listen to that first, really understand why this might be useful and really consider some of the thoughts and feelings you might be having about it before you actually embark on this task. So if you haven't done it already, press pause now, go back to that episode. If you have listened to that episode, Fabulous. Really hope you found it useful. And this session is going to be way more step by step, way more pragmatic, and you're going to have some tasks to do. So what I'd suggest you do is you listen to this all the way through, but then I would come back to it and actually go through it one bit at a time. I'm going to give you each of the steps you need to do. And because I'm a coach, I'm also going to try and anticipate some of the thoughts and feelings you might be having along the way and help you to work through those so that you can do this in a really positive way. This is going to be particularly useful for writing about teaching, leadership, administration, any of those things that traditionally are harder to write about in promotions and job applications, because we don't just get to go, oh, I published this there. I got this much grant income. It's so much hard, so much more important to have a story. However, don't switch off if you're mostly research or you really want to think about crafting your research story because you really can use these tactics for that side of your career as well. Often, if you are a well-rounded academic, as I would like to call it, someone who does lots of research and who does lots of good teaching, looks after the students, does leadership stuff too. Some of you guys are my favorite academics. The approach can really help you figure out what your story is. So what are the steps? Well, the first step is going to sound like a strange one. I want you to go digging around in your emails and your files, and I want you to find at least three nice things that people have said about you. So this might be feedback on teaching evaluations. It might be emails thanking you after you've done something. It might be reviews of a book or comments on an article, anything. Go and find 
three nice things that people have said about you. And we do this for two reasons. From a really pragmatic point of view, we are going to be digging around in our files to find evidence that we've had impact, evidence that we've changed things and had influence. So this starts getting you poking around in whatever your archives are. Archives might be a big word for it. Mine war is a bit of a shambles, but your storage systems, whatever they look like. So we need to get poking around in them to be able to do the rest of this. And this is a nice way to start. Another reason I get you to do this first is just because it's nice. Often as academics, we feel like we work super hard and people don't necessarily appreciate us. While sometimes that might be true or at least feel true to you, it's not a mindset that makes this work easy to do. If we're going into this feeling like we're overworked and underappreciated and all of those things, it just makes the whole process a little bit more painful. So let's try and make ourselves feel a little better before we start. So once you've got your nice things, put them somewhere that you can see them. And then the first main task of this process is if you feel like you're spinning plates, let's figure out what plates we're spinning. Grab a piece of paper and a pen. And I want you to start listing all the things you do in your current job. PhD students, this might be all the things that you do that are related to your academic work. So it might be if you have classes, anything to do with those, any research responsibilities you have, any community things you do. So if you organize seminars or any of those things, any paid work that you do within the department. For academics, this is going to include your research, if you do research, teaching, if you do teaching, any school administrative jobs that you have, any leadership roles, reviewing for journals, organising conferences, any of those things. Please, at the moment, keep them as current things. You will have an opportunity to add past things in a minute, but keep it constrained to things you are doing that are really spinning plates at the moment. Now, if you have any big administrative roles or you have big teaching jobs, I want you to split those out as well. So don't just write, I'm the module organiser for a module on exercise immunology. I want you to write module organiser for exercise immunology, coordinate teaching, deliver 30 sessions, um, coordinate the marking, do the marking for the exam, blah, blah, blah. I want you to split it out. Don't split it out to I write lecture one, I write lecture two, but split it out to the broad groups of things you do within that. Because it's really important for us to understand all the components. I used to be head of education in my school. So I oversaw all of our undergraduate and postgraduate taught programs. And there were so many different bits to that job. And so you really need to spell out the different bits in each of these components. Don't underestimate, this might take you a little while. So When you're listening this through for the second time, so listen to it all once. When you listen to it the second time, press pause right about now and go and get those all listed. So when you come back, you should be restarting with a list in front of you here. Many of you will be spinning personal plates as well. You may have work outside of your PhD that's nothing to do with your academic sphere. You may have family responsibilities, friends, community work, charity work, hobbies, fun, etc, etc. Those things 
super important. Listing them might be useful on a separate piece of paper just so that you can see what other commitments you have, but it's not part of this main thing. And you'll see why as we go through, we're using this to structure our academic story. This is not a time management program. This is not about how you fit things into your life. This is about what's the story about you as an academic. So those things go over here and we'll consider later whether any of them do need to be in the story. Now, if you're coming back to this, having made that list, or even just at the thought of making that list, I want you just to take a second to check in and see how you're feeling right now. A lot of my clients, when I did this, feel quite overwhelmed. We look at our list and go, oh my goodness, that's actually a lot of things. Maybe you feel relieved that it's actually all out there in front of you and you can see it all in one place, perhaps for many of you for the first time. Maybe you might feel like I did. My real feeling was a version of vindicated. That sounds more aggressive than I mean, but I thought was, oh, that's why you feel overwhelmed all the time. Because I'd never written it out like that. And I always used to think that if I was just a little bit more organized, I could stay on top of it all. And that the fact that I kept feeling like I was behind was because I was struggling with organization. I was struggling with prioritization. I was procrastinating. And those things were probably true. But the reason was I looked at all of this and I was just like, yeah, there's too many things. No one could do all of these things. And so there was part of me that actually felt quite vindicated, quite like, oh my goodness, I'm not, you know, I'm not being ridiculous here. There's just too many things. So really have a think about what you're thinking. I'd love to hear in the comments if you're on YouTube, or you can contact me on Twitter at Dr. Vicky Burns. Let me know what you were feeling while you were doing this. Whatever you're feeling, absolutely fine. Try and figure out what thought it is that's creating that feeling. Because it's not just looking at the list, you're having a thought about that list. Maybe you feel sad because your thought is, I shouldn't have to do this much, or I've let this get out of hand. Or maybe you feel shame because you're looking at the list and going, actually, there's not much here. I should be able to handle this. Whatever you're thinking and feeling at the moment, totally normal, totally fine totally human. Okay. I just want you to notice it while we go through. So we've now all got this big list in front of us, all these different jobs, all these different responsibilities, all these different projects, things we've committed to, things we want to do and so on. I want you to get another piece of paper and I want you to divide it in four in like quadrants. Okay. And in the top two boxes, I want you to write case one and case two. So one in each box. In the bottom left, I want you to write heart. And in the bottom right, I want you to write legwork. And those are like as little titles at the top of each box. Okay, so don't write them in massive because we're going to do lists in this. And what we're doing here in the least technical version of this possible, we're doing a mini thematic analysis. So what we're going to do, don't worry if you've never done that before, it's all going to make sense. What we're essentially going to do is we're going to look at our list of things that we're currently doing and see how they fit together and see where they fit. Now, those four boxes, case one and case two, are going to make up the main part of our academic story. So I want you to be able to say, 
I specialize in X and Y. I am an expert in X and Y, in case one and in case two. Now, these need to be relatively narrow. Please don't have, I specialize in exercise immunology and teaching excellence because those are huge. I want you to get it down to, I specialize in response to vaccination, how it's affected by exercise. That used to be one of my specialties. And in innovative assessments for undergraduate students, for example. There is an infinite number of different cases you might have here. You may decide to put your research to one side and come up with two cases from the rest of what you do. You might want one research one, one teaching leadership one. You might want two research ones, perhaps, if you're predominantly research. But I want them to be quite specific. So when you're looking at the things you do and the projects you're working on, you start slotting, okay, well, that one's to do with that stuff. That one's to do with that stuff. That one doesn't really fit, so we'll leave it where it is in a minute. So you try and split those out between these two main cases. If you're struggling to decide what those two cases are, don't worry too much. Look at what you're doing and see what things seem to cluster together. We'll have a chance to review it and decide whether we like it or not later. But I want you to be going, oh, there's a bit of a cluster where I'm doing a whole load of work about immune responses to acute stress, for example. So we'll make that a case. Okay. Now, these boxes at the bottom, what are they? Heart is for the things you do that you don't care whether they will ever fit in a promotion case ever again. You will keep doing them because they're important to you and to your sense of self and to your perception of your role as an academic. So you might have in there being a good personal tutor, answering student queries about careers in academia, mentoring junior staff, for example. Don't feel obliged to put any of those things in. This needs to genuinely be things that no matter whether you never get any recognition, any reward, any promotion for it, you truly believe are important and you will truly continue to do. So those go in heart. And then in legwork, you put anything that doesn't fit in the other boxes. Now, this could be jobs you've been given that don't fit with your priorities, but you need to do them. It could be academic jobs that you do for money because you need that. Maybe you've been asked to teach other modules that aren't necessarily your specialty or your favorite thing. All of that stuff goes in there. Thing that you committed to that doesn't really fit with your cases. So maybe you agreed to write a book chapter because you thought it'd look good, but it doesn't really fit with anything else. But that was the topic you were asked to write about. Maybe it's reviewing for journals that don't fit neatly within your specialty. All of those things go in the legwork box. You might end up with things still on your list. Most likely, if it feels like there should be a third case or a fourth case. But generally speaking, I want you to try and get everything into one of those four boxes. If it doesn't fit neatly into your biggest two cases, it's legwork. Even if you think it probably is a case. At the moment, it's legwork. Because legwork is all the stuff that doesn't fit our priorities and doesn't fit our heart. We don't love it. We probably see the value in it. 
to some extent, but it's not stuff we're going to do for free forever just because we love it. And it's not stuff that's going to fit into any of the cases. So if you're listening to this for the second time, now's the time to pause it, go do it. And if you're coming back or just listening through to see where we go, I want you to think about how you feel when you look at this or when you imagine looking at this grid. How are you feeling now? Was that hard? What did you find hard about that? Did you struggle to narrow it down to two cases? That was always my problem. When I first did this, when I created this as a task for myself to try and straighten out what on earth was going on in my head and my to-do list, I genuinely could have had six, seven, eight cases probably at minimum. And that was only including the things I was doing now, not starting to look backwards or any of those things. It was hard to try and narrow it down. Other people go, there's not really any cases here. Those things are only tenuously linked. This is all a bit of a scattergun. I don't quite see how it fits together. Maybe you've got one really clear cut case and then a load of stuff and you don't really know quite what your second case would be. Maybe you found it difficult because part of your brain is still telling you that you shouldn't have to think about your career like this. And I get it. I get it. And maybe this isn't the right time for you to be thinking about it. Or maybe you want to go back and listen to part one again and remind yourself why you decided to do this. Maybe you're finding it difficult because you don't think that academia should be as structured or strategic as this. And one thing I would just like you to consider here, you get to decide what your cases are. If you are somebody that believes, and I totally get it if you do, who believes that academia has become too commercialized, has become too self-serving, has become too much about self-promotion and telling your story and cases and blah, blah, blah. If you don't like all that stuff, that's cool. You can make your cases mentoring other stuff. You have a whole case about how you have supported everybody all around you and the successes that they've had and how you've helped them achieve that. You can make your cases about how you've made change in terms of how academic committees work, how teaching works, etc., etc. You get to decide. These cases don't have to be, and here's evidence that I'm amazing. In fact, they shouldn't be, here's evidence that I'm amazing. They should be, here's evidence that I'm doing something important. And that could be important in your discipline. It could be important for your students, for your colleagues. It doesn't have to be a self-serving story and it works a lot better if it's not. So if those are the thoughts and feelings that you're having, really see if you could pull together two cases that you feel genuinely good about, that feel like part of that academic community that you want to believe exists and that you want to help create or reinforce. So we've now got in front of us two fledgling cases, a load of heart work and a load of legwork. And what we get to do now is decide how we're going to use this information. We're going to look at our cases and say, are these the cases that I want to build? Is there anything from my past that I've let go that I actually wish was a case instead of this other one? 
Is there anything where you think, oh, I love this third case, this one that I'm doing bits and bobs of, and that's really what I want to pursue, but there's these other two ones that are kind of bigger at the moment. We get to decide what we want to do about that. We get to decide, are any of these two current cases that we're holding ready to be wrapped up? So if you've got a fledgling new case that you really want to put time and thought into, but you've got two existing quite strong cases that you've been working on for quite a while, how could you wrap one of them up, tie a little bow on it and declare it finished as a case? This was what I worked on between 2016 and 2023. Now, in the program that I work through with my clients, I have a a six session, 12 week program for people who want to really dig into their, their academic story and how to tell it. I have detailed instructions as to how you can decide which cases to follow, which cases that you really want to strengthen and how to strengthen them. In short, though, what they need is to basically demonstrate that you are creating impact, whether that's in your discipline, whether it's in your sector, in your school, your university, your research area, whatever it is, they need to show why you are one of the go-to people on this particular topic and how that discipline or university is better for having you there. Next, you look at your heart work. Firstly, be grateful for your heart work. You get to do this. You get to make a difference. And I want you to remember that you're choosing this stuff because sometimes we can feel bogged down by answering all the student emails and being there during office hours and all of these things that you might consider your hard work. And if it's not our hard work, we can decide to put it somewhere else. I want you to think, are there any ways that your hard work could be pulled more towards your cases? So if one of your elements of heart work is that you will always give final year undergraduate students advice about doing PhDs or moving into careers in your discipline, could that become part of one of your cases? Could that stuff actually be used to demonstrate why you're a go-to person in this discipline? And the other thing I want you to ask yourself is, are there ways that you can still achieve the heart work with a few more boundaries and a little less time? When I was a relatively junior academic, I was wellbeing tutor for the school, which meant that I was the first point of contact for any student in distress or having problems. And I used to spend hours, hours and hours and hours with these students answering their emails, sitting in sessions with them. And I know I helped a lot of students and I'm proud of that work and it was important to me and it was something that I would 100% put in my heart work section if I'd known this work then. But I didn't need to spend as much time on it as I did. The first 10-15 minutes with the student was super, super important. Other than in very extreme cases, the next 15 minutes or the next 30 minutes or the next hour were not as necessary. There were other people that could support these students. I did it because I thought it was important and because I liked it. And as soon as I recognized that I was doing it because I liked it as well, I was able to spend just a little bit less time. And the students got just as much support and they turned out just as fine as the ones that I'd spent hours and hours and hours with. They need some of you but they don't need all of you. So thinking about 
whether there's any ways that you could put some boundaries around some of your hard work to protect yourself and to best serve the people that you're trying to serve, that can be a really useful exercise. And then finally, I want you to review your legwork box. Is there anything in there that actually with a little bit of tweaking could fit into one of your cases? Is there anything in there that with a positive discussion with your head of school, you might not need to do anymore? Now, you might say, that's not going to happen. I have to do these admin jobs. It's the rules. But our heads of school want us to get our jobs done, but they also want us to be strategic. I talked about this a bit in the last part. And now that you're clear on your priorities, you're able to go to your head of school and say, look, these are things I'm building. This is why I think it will get me awards and recognition. This is why I think it will help me towards promotion. I've got this job though, and it's really taking up a lot of time and it doesn't fit with either of these priorities. Could we work out a way that over the next year, I could transition to a role that's more in keeping with these things? So notice you're not saying, I don't want to do this work anymore. You're not giving them an immediate don't want to do it. And you're not saying that, and therefore I want to be let off to focus on my own things. You're saying, can I transition to a role that's more aligned with these priorities? And that makes it a very different conversation. And most heads of school, most heads of department will at least start those conversations with you. And then you also look at that legwork and you go, which bits of this do I have to do? They're never going to be part of a case. They're never going to be part of my heart. How can I do them good enough? Good enough. Is very often good enough. So that is the sort of analysis we're doing. How strong are my cases? What do I want to move forward with? Where are their gaps? What's my heart work? How can I keep doing that? How can I fit it into cases where appropriate? How can I have boundaries and streamline it while still meeting the needs of my heart? And legwork, how can I fit them into cases? How can I get rid of them, transition them? Or how can I learn to just do them good enough and know that they're legwork when I'm doing them so they don't expand to fill all the time that there is? Be really careful again of your thoughts and beliefs here. If you're thinking, there's no way I can change this, I don't have any influence over this, then it's going to be very, very difficult to change things. You at absolute minimum have control over what you choose to think about these things, how much effort you get to put, relatively speaking, into each of the different things. Even if nothing changes in terms of your roles and responsibilities, nothing changes in terms of your actual to-do list, you can decide which things get your time and effort, which things get the whole best version of you, which things get your peak times of day, and which things just get done. You get to pick that, even if you have control over nothing else. So from here, you can build a plan. Where do you need to patch gaps? Where do you need to really learn how to tell this story? What evidence could you find to back up the fact that you are super influential in this field, that you are making a difference, that you are changing things in your discipline, that you are improving the lot of your students, that you are changing the systems and processes at your university for the better? If you struggle to know how to write about those things, 
then get into my website, the phdlifecoach.com and go to the work with me section. You will find a link where you can sign up for my newsletter and everyone who signs up there will get sent a structure where it's like basically the outline of a paragraph that you can use to describe a case. So it really takes you through how you tell people what you did, what impact that had, how you influence other people further. And it gives you the language and explains why you need to say each of the different things. It's really, really useful. I used it to get to full professor in the UK. I used it to get national teaching awards. I've taught other people to use it and they've achieved the same things too. So get into my newsletter, sign up, and you will get sent that stuff too. To finish, you will now have the beginnings of a strategy to move forward, the beginnings of a clearer idea of who you are, of what you do, why you do the things you do. If you found this useful but challenging, I do have places on my program. It's a one-to-one program, but it's highly structured. So we essentially go through each of these tasks in turn, but with me to support you through the thoughts and beliefs that you're having about it, helping you narrow down what your cases could be, what the barriers are to doing that and so on, and coaching you through some of the actions that you might want to take afterwards to start to shape these for the future. Again, get into my website, phdlifecoach.com slash work with me, and you will find how to get in contact with me to set up those sessions. If you are interested in that, I do a free consult call for anybody, free 30 minutes where no hard sales. We just have a chat about it and see whether it will be a good fit for both of us. I hope you found today's episode useful. Next week is part three, and this is slightly different. Next week, we're going to be thinking not about the story we tell about our career, but the story we tell about ourselves and what influence that has for good and bad on our behavior and our results. So see you next week for the final part of this series. Thank you for listening to the PhD Life Coach Podcast. If you like this episode, please tell your friends, your colleagues, and your universities. I'd appreciate it if you took the time to like, leave a review, give me stars, stickers, and all that general approval as well. If you'd like to find out more about working with me, either for yourself or for people at your university, please check out my website at thephdlifecoach.com. You can also sign up to hear more about my free group coaching sessions for PhD students and academics. See you next time.